coffee fuel. I thought that that was going to be... I knew we had a coffee field intro, but apparently it was just a drop. And are we live? I, I hope, we, I hope we we're are, live. We are live. I thought that, that was going to be so nice. anticlimactic. I thought that was going to be better than that. <laughs> coffee field. Hold on. Maybe this works better. Oh, well, that's not any longer. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Welcome to a very special, although I'm not sure what makes it special, other than it's on a Saturday morning, uh, beer breakfast episode with your folks. You hear it? Beerfield Fantasy. Get yeah, the fantasy out. Beerfield Football. Beerfield Podcast. I'm at Beerfield Hop with two P's. Chris Hop. You are. He's at Beerfield Thurry with two E's. We're at Beerfield. That's all on Twitter. Beerfield Podcast on YouTube. Uh, beer field podcast everywhere you get sports booze bs everywhere you get your uh get your podcast from and we are here to dissect a clusterfuck that is uh that's that's a bit of an understatement too is how much of a clusterfuck this actually is yeah so Oof. if you've been living under a rock covid is all over the place NFL games are getting moved around, rescheduled. We're going to help dissect that. How do you navigate that? How do you handle that? Um, you know, we're going to get into a little bourbon philosophy with Hopper after yesterday. And then we've got a uh, a pretty, yeah, I, I trust me, I have not forgotten. And then we got a, uh, we're going to do what we can to try to break down this week's Oof. games as, as best as we can with as many game time decisions as they're figured to be. Um Programming note, so this is going to serve as both Sunday live stream for lineup Q&A and everything, as well as um, our podcast for the week. Schedules were very, very compressed in our real-life lives, so you know, as opposed to this simulation we do every couple of weeks, or every week. This so, is the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the Matrix right here. This is, what, this is the simulation you have to look forward to. It's just us. Yeah, it's just us. So the other thing that is going on today, and my most important thing. What's fueling beer fueled? Dan, what are you drinking and why? <laughs> and 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 why? <laughs> I am drinking a a caramel latte, not latte, espresso. I don't know shit from the uh, shit from the store that we make in the Kier cup. A cappuccino, thanks, wife. And then I'm also drinking a Bush Light because Zach Ertz realizes it's floor more than Dalton Schultz said. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Well, Zach Ertz realized. His 
is for potential more than Dalton Schultz. Is it because DeAndre Hopkins got hurt? Is it because the Cardinals and Rams game turned into a shootout? I don't know. Is it because way, I was right about? No, it's not because you were right. It's because <laughs> of game scenario. Uh, okay. It's because they realized so this this scoring potential more. And Mama didn't raise Mama don't raise no bitch. So uh, so I wasn't all right. My, my I mean, re- I was right in my analysis, and we all know it's process. <laughs> it's process over results. <laughs> but it, it, hold on, I gotta see if that's actually true or not. You know, I gotta. Look, you know, I gotta look for yourself for myself, right? Let's what see. process over results? No, not process over results. If the process was right, because my argument was that Michael Gallup coming back would impact Dalton Schultz' target volume with everybody being on the field and it did Michael Gallup had Well, I didn't disagree with you there. That had, was never that well, was never That was always my argument against Dalton Schultz was that with everybody on the field how because it hadn't happened all year since week 1, what was that going to do with to um you know, his target volume at least last week. We'll see how it operates over time, but at least last week it was basically halved. Well, His floor I'll, was I'll half. take the fact that Dallas was also up multiple touchdowns and then sure. You know, but that it's gonna change the game plan. The and Cardinals that was my other argument sh- for Ertz was game script. Well, sure. Like I said, they're the same player in the same scenario. One went one went one went in a better direction than the other. One also saw their star to star wide receiver. Re reaggravate his hamstring and, and then go out. Arizona, but still, I digress. Arizona still uses the tight end, the same <laughs> way they always use the tight end. <laughs> At least they got Aaron though. Jones right. I am drinking something from Humble Forger. I left the Lindsay liked it, so I left the rest of the can upstairs. So I don't actually remember what I'm drinking. Um, I'm trying to find out. <laughs> was it was it one of the coastal sunshines? Yeah, it is a coastal sunshine. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, it's like, I used to work for a liquor store. And I know all these things. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of the coastal sunshines. Depends if it's actually because they do this is a the, sunrise one or, yeah, a sunrise one, which is the breakfast sour. Okay. This is a sun, sunrise one then. This is coastal sunrise. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be Coastal Sunrise, one of their variants on this. This is the variant that is based on a painkiller. So it's orange pineapple juice dusted with coconut and a little bit of nutmeg. So it's breakfast with beer field. We got a breakfast beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we also have um, coffee. So at some point throughout the show, I may have to make another cup. But uh, we'll see. Coffee Hold on. Maybe I'll text her and see if she can make me a cup. Hold on. What coffee am I drinking? That's important to you. People want to know what I drink coffee-wise, right? They do. I'll use the same cup and I'll just pour. So the cappuccino, I'll just do black coffee. Actually, I don't remember what the hell it's called. I'm not going to find it. We're not going to make the people wait on that. All right. Um... First things first, I want to talk a little bourbon philosophy. This came up yesterday, and then I want to get into to football. So okay. yesterday was a very long day for me. Um, well, no, I was on the road. I had to go to Kentucky to pick up a new rift barrel and 34 cases of whiskey. And so that day started at 6 a.m. and ended at about 2 a.m. the next day. 
Yikes. with driving and stops and everything like that. So anyway, I was at um, the Rack House over in St. Peter's, Cottleville, technically, um, which yeah, they're good partner of, of ours, great bourbon selection, good food. John takes care of us really well. If you're ever in the St. Louis area, which actually this just happened with somebody this week, um, highly recommended that you stop in there. Um, their bar manager had posted a new flight that they had. I'm curious to get your takes on this. Okay. It is Lot B, Pappy 15, Thomas H. Handy, and I don't remember what the other one was. It's a four-poor flight, though. I remember that. Let me go find it real quick. Now it seemed very rare, too. So Yeah, and let me find the finer details here because I know it's on our page because she posted it there and got ripped a little bit. And I'm curious as to... I know why it happened, but I'm real curious as to the what. You know, what went down there, basically. What the hell? Yeah. Ugh. I also hate this shit sometimes. It's actually really important what that other pour was, too, because that's going to be a huge determination on this. <laughs> Good God. It was Lot B. Lot B, Pappy 15. We didn't. There's no way we deleted this. Uh-oh. Maybe she did? No. Uh-oh. Maybe she did. It was another rare-released bourbon. I'll see if I can remember what it was. I don't remember what the other one was. Um, but Lot B, Pappy 15, Thomas H. Handy. Um... So, my question, I guess, is the price on that was $255. And the other bourbon was equally as rare. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember what it is off the yeah, yeah, but it yeah. was something that was equally as, as hard to get, basically. And I'll continue to try to figure it out, but it was $255 for the flight. So four, I believe they're half ounce pours. Um, and it got ripped pretty hard because of the pricing on it, which to me isn't a a rack house problem. That is a just full market problem. Because as I went through St. Louis and broke down, like this is what a half ounce pour of each of these things would cost, and then I don't know, mathed it together, you actually yeah. came out ahead by like. 30 40 bucks so interested in your take is that too high for a flight given what's in it and again i'll find the the fourth one or is it just you should you even be doing flights like that for for sticker shock i mean or not for sticker shock because of sticker shock because of what the consumer may may think about that, especially with these allocated Buffalo Trace products, which a lot of times go for over a hundred dollars, you know, eighty to one hundred and fifty to one hundred sixty-five dollars for a full of one ounce pour at a bar. I mean, it's it. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, with the market, you know, with the secondary market price, which is clearly playing 
you know, played an effect on the cost of the flight. I don't see the benefit. I mean, I see the benefit of having, you know, you know, these places doing flights of rear bourbon, especially at this time of year, you know, where, where people are spending a little more money, even though probably right now they're not, they, most people bought their gifts already. This to me, it would be a post Christmas type of thing. Um, so it makes sense from that standpoint, you want to allow, you know, people to try, you know, you know, four things they probably can't find in the wild, or if they do find it, it's going to be insanely high in cost because of the secondary market, or they're at a store that, that likes to also manipulate the secondary, you know, cost of these items. I, I, I get why people are pissed because it's, it's, it's high. Like if you don't know what those costs and you see that just, you know, just from the get go, or you know what the actual store cost is instead of the secondary cost, I can see where people can get upset, but it's, it's, it's their business. They're going to charge what they want to charge. And I think more people are pissed off because they probably can't afford it. Like they can't afford the actual bottles that are attached to it. I just wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't get pissed. I understand completely. And you just, you, you don't got to buy it and you can suck it up to it. The fact that it's being allowed is it's pretty special in terms of those four items, but you're right. I think it's more, I think it speaks to the problem of the secondary market of bourbon and they're just of all things, you know, beer is a part of this too. So it's, uh, it speaks to the greater issue at hand. And I think people are just being pissed to be pissed. Yeah. I think that they are too. Did uh, you find out what the fourth one was or no? No, <laughs> I can't. Facebook's not agreeing with me right now on trying okay. to like actually find things at the moment. Um, let me throw another thing here. So I, I'm with you, though. I think people are pissed to be pissed because they don't know. And you see that sticker, you get sticker shock, and it's this is just another store that's – or not another store, but another uh, another bar that's that's price gouging this. And really that's not – got to look at when you're evaluating a flight, you got to look at what is that individual poor going to cost me if I were to go out and get it? What area am I in, right? Because – that in Springfield is not going to cost me what it does in West County, St. Louis. Yeah. You know, so you got to evaluate where you are, what it is you're drinking, do the math on that, and decide is this a value. In this case, it's a value, but I kind of agree. I get why people are upset, but I don't think they're upset with them for necessarily doing this. I think they're more upset with just where the market on that consistently sits. That's why people are upset with secondary. That's why people are yeah. upset with these owners that are price gouging and, you know, upset with the prices of those poor. If you walk into any bar, pretty much in general, it's very rare to find something like that and think, well, this is actually a pretty okay price. Yeah. Like you're not going to like, like you shouldn't walk in and see, you know, f- you know four pretty ultra rare, at least right now, ultra rare bourbons to find, and it, and it costs like a hundred bucks. No, I think that's what people want it to be, because probably based off of actual you know, store costs and not secondary costs, that's probably you know fair. I know that Pappy Fifteen does cost you know far more than a hundred dollars uh, for a bottle at store level, not secondary level. So 
you're still getting a discount. But that's why I think people are just disconnected. Hey, on the actual cost of bourbon, even beyond secondary, even just at store level, that a just a half ounce of pour of those is going to cost over $100 at most places. Or the bottle itself is, it's, it's, I think people are just not fully aware of just how much bourbon costs even before his secondary market. I just, that's where maybe that's an issue too. But again, you know, they don't make a lot of these and they're very sought after. And that's what people want. Yeah. Oh, and, and here's the other thing, right? From a percentage perspective, if I go in and buy a pour of, we'll call it, I don't know, something that you can find regular. Let's just call it regular ass Buffalo Trace, right? Yeah. $8 pour. Let's say they only pour one ounce shots out of that bottle. You have. I'm doing math. Sorry. Yeah. Basically. Thousand percent markup on that bottle. By the time that they get through that, if they only do one ounce pours at $8 a pour, 25 pours per bottle. Somebody can check my math on that. I'm not a big math guy, but that comes out to like $200 on a $20 bottle, essentially. Maybe $30 bottle. Yeah. It's retails for 30 bucks. Wholesale on it's probably 2025. And you know, bottle of Pappy at 120, you sell that it, you know, $50 pours, right? You're still at the same markup is a Buffalo Traces. So, I get it, um, but and you're also not guaranteed to get that bottle. So supply and demand, right? I mean, you may get one this year and not see it for three years. So, I mean, I I mean, so speaking of that, uh, you know, for those of you that may not know, I used to work for a major liquor chain before I went and work for this still now, and when you're in the actual environment, you know the actual employee environment of it, you you see a lot of rare stuff all the time. Obviously we can't get all of it, but we see a lot of it, especially the one that I worked for uh, Benny's, which is the major one in Illinois. We see everything pretty much, you know, come through. And it's not until you actually leave the business and start to talk to the people outside of it, that you just see how rare stuff is. I watched a guy lose his shit over having a, the chance to buy a Buffalo trace, regular Buffalo trace, not handpicked, not just regular old Buffalo trace. And I saw that shit almost every day. It felt like, so it, it, again, it speaks, it speaks to just where, you know, people's mindset is at that point when it comes to this stuff. And also just speaks to how hard it is, you know, to find it, you know, it's because what I think Buffalo trace makes, less of it now if i'm not mistaken so Uh, it already regular buffalo trace yeah the problem is is supply and demand and what happened is you had this bourbon boom take off over the last you're seeing benchmark become more prominent at the moment it's because you had this bourbon boom over the last however many years right yeah yeah and the problem nobody forecasted it right that it was going to blow up the way that it blew up so you got these distilleries that are rapidly trying to expand, but for something like Buffalo Trace, where I think the product in that is a minimum six year, 
they started to get younger and younger and eventually couldn't meet the quality standards because you're getting into these younger and younger batches of barrels of bourbon. And that's going to be a a couple year lag before you catch up to that. Right. Because I mean, we're still probably two to three years away from the supply catching up to demand because there's no way to just rush production on on bourbon up because for it to be anywhere close to like you can blend some younger batches if you will but i mean the majority of that bourbon's gonna have to be four to six years for it to have you know a pleasant quality controlled flavor like what they're looking for um and a lot of the small batches are are like this um but buffalo trace being the one that blew up the most yeah that it that's it's going to be lagging behind, and that's why you see that. That's why you see people lose their shit over finding Buffalo Trace. See it all the time around here. You can find it. It's not a unicorn, but it's also not guaranteed you walk into some place and they're just going to have it either. Yep, so. yep, exactly. Anyway, that was my little diatribe there. I'm going to keep looking for that. I just threw my phone back on Wi-Fi. I don't know what the hell its deal was, so I'll keep looking to see if I can find that. Um, sure that fourth flight let's move on so you're a commissioner i am not a great one but you're a commissioner you know um, not, not not one of the many things that i'm elite at yeah you're all right i do what i can he's my commissioner in a couple of weeks so yeah games getting moved games were almost postponed and if this thing keeps getting worse, even though they did just relax the health and safety protocols some, or didn't really relax them, they added um, another level to them, which basically is they're looking for um, basically a contagion level. Are you still contagious? How contagious are you? And then, you know, if that is under a threshold, you can get away with, you know, and you're vaccinated, you can get away with testing positive. Or if that is... Um, you know, you can get away with that, passing that, and one test instead of two. They made it easier for players to return to play, essentially. Yeah. While also adding in some things that don't necessarily compromise the health and safety. But, so Commissioner, what are we watching here for? What happens in playoff time if games do start to get outright canceled, postponed? The NFL says, we're not having this this week, or this doesn't have playoff implications. We're not having it. In general, you can pose the question of, you know, foregoing the playoffs and giving people's money back. I think that's a common response. Uh, or or you can split the playoff You, you could because we're in the playoffs now. You can split the pool amongst the playoff teams. And I, that's one thing I've been dabbling with. If, if things get to that level is splitting the playoff, it's splitting the prize pool amongst the playoff teams. It's, it's a fair no, but. Is there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different. I don't angles think there could... is in a real proper way. I don't know if games, if if a game gets canceled, that could shift everything. Right. If a game gets canceled, I don't know what you do. And I've run through some th- some scenarios in my mind of everything from, you know, apply the impacted player's average points per game to, um, because that's kind of how Scott Fish dealt with Week 14 is they applied yeah. your, your team's yeah. average. So do you do a you know, I looked at that and I'm like, well, that doesn't really like 
if I'm missing a guy that doesn't make up the nine point different and se- difference in season long, season long average between me and this next team. Right. Yeah. Um, so do you apply, you know, like if a Cooper cup misses his, uh, you know, his season average and say, you know, this is what it is. This is what we're going with. Do you change your payouts? Like you said, to pay out either, you know, all playoff teams or, you know, how do you shift that? Do you shift that to like, you know, best record in the regular season and points in the regular season and call that good. And I think ultimately as a commissioner, the only thing that you can do here is you pose it to the league, let people brainstorm it out and get a majority consensus on what your league wants to do and what is going to see as fair. Because I can tell you that if we went with a payout, all playoff teams, right? Like, I'm not going to love that because I'm a team that came in first in record and, you know, second in points, 30 from what could be, you know, 30 from first in points. And it's like, okay, well, I clearly had a better season than the number six guy, right? Yeah. So why is this uh, an even pay? I clearly had a better season than, you know, the only argument could be made for maybe Cap and Sean, right? So it's going to be, you know, why should the guy that – Nick <laughs> barely snuck in, but Nick had top points too. So I was, I mean, was going to say that's probably not. So Nick's probably not league, the best. My league there. isn't the best example of it, right? But okay, so team is the uh, Ronnie's league. Um, okay, that one's probably a better example where you know your five and your six seed slated in at barely five hundred records, right? And yeah. your four seed is barely a five hundred record. You're all in that, you know eight and six to six and seven range. Right. But then you've got a guy that, you know, two guys that went nine and three and 10 and two clearly better seasons. So yeah, I hope we don't have to handle this, but you know, you want to kind of reward the people that, that clearly had better seasons in my opinion. And last year, I think what we had landed on or what a lot of leagues landed on is just the bylaw for the year that, you know, if games get canceled, we just axe the season. If we axe it in playoffs, we go with regular season results. If we axe it in the regular season, everybody just gets their buy-in back. But that was if the season was canceled. And or like, it, and, it, and that always depended on when in the season it got canceled. Right. The fact that most, I, I, I want to say probably not maybe 100%, but close to 100% of leagues didn't have that conversation this year because most of them thought that we would we be, weren't going to be here. We weren't going to have to worry about something like this happening again. Right. And a lot of those conversations, and the fact that we're in the playoffs, there were no conversations in the regular season. So that's where you can't just take regular season stuff. There, There is... Well, you could if, your, one, league, you could if your league agreed to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can... If I'm a commissioner, which I am, so it, it, it's you can post various options. The number one option has to be you gave everyone your money back and you ax this season. You let it play out, whatever, and you get everyone's money back. Does it suck? Is it fair? Is it, is it fair to most? Yes. Does it suck to the teams that made the playoffs and actually had to run at it? Yes, it does. It's a bad thing. You can go the result of you give the playoff teams their money. Yeah, you split the pool, give them because we're in the playoffs now, and those teams you anything know, can played, happen. You know, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen you know load seeds you know make it, and this is where you know you can see a lot of things happen. You can give it based off of total points. 
throughout the year. Maybe you reward the two highest schedules. If you play division, you do both division leaders, then you base it off of uh, total points. Or you just add the money to next year. Yeah, and I don't like... For Dynasty, you can make that argument, but at the same point in time, right? Next year is not this year. We for see Dynasty, some, that yeah. would be next year. Yeah, we see so much year-to-year no. year variance to where, like, again, if I'm a front-running team, I have a problem with that because I built to win this year, yeah. not next year. Yeah. So, yeah. or, you know, be competitive next year, but really, you made a run it it this year. So, yeah, now you're just out that rolling over next year. I don't love that. I don't love the... Because there's not a perfect answer here. Like this is me. There is no perfect. And this is a commissioner versus team at the top of a league discussion. If I'm a team at the bottom of the league, I am. I don't have an opinion on this because I know that I was going to lose that money anyway. Right. This is also based off of how much you you paid to get in. Right. No buy-ins is going to play a huge factor in this. But you're at a point where if you're eliminated or or not in the playoffs, you're eliminated and not in the playoffs, and you know based on a regular NFL season at that point, you were not getting your money back. You yep. lost <laughs> at the point in the season we're at. So I think paying questions. Okay, go ahead. All right. This is from Malachi. Malachi from only Malachi. gets years. So thank you for jumping in. He said pick two. Miles Gaskin, Rashad Penny, AJ Dillon, Devonta Freeman. All right. First things first. It's, COVID check. <laughs> yeah. We'll check to see. Uh, Miles Gaskin is no longer on the COVID list. I knew that. I, think he, he just I don't came think off AJ Dillon week. ever was. He is not. No, uh, Penny is not. And I think Seattle's offenses are uh, the running back backfield is all over the place. And Freeman shouldn't be on it either. I think all four of these players are are there's no risk of COVID. So yeah, Alex. I mean, Collins. there's always a risk, but right now there's no risk. So Alex Collins is still on the COVID list, which plays to Penny. Um. Yeah, and what I, after Penny just did? This past I, week, I don't I know how you don't start actual, him. <laughs> I gotta pull up uh, who's playing who. Yeah, I'm doing the same. Um, I don't know how you don't start Penny though after what what he did last week. So Seattle has the Rams. You've been able to run on all year. Like their run defense has been bad, bad, and I have no idea why, given the defense they have. But it's been bad, bad. Uh, the Ravens, so Freeman's got the Packers, which means that Dylan has the Ravens and cause that's how matchups work. Yeah. That's how matchups it, work. And who's the Miami, other one? Gaskin. Miami has the, the New York Jets. Jets at home. So, um, I look at that and I am probably more comfortable with Gaskin. I'll tell you who I'm not playing right now. And that's going to be Freeman amongst these four. Yeah. I wouldn't play Freeman and AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones still cutting into each other's workload. Miles Gaskin should, you know, everyone was saying, "Oh, go get Duke Johnson," or because everybody in Miami was on the COVID list. Well, that's not the case anymore. So, you know, Gaskin's got a, a game script positive matchup and a defense positive matchup. Um, you know, Penny had a blow up game with a good matchup, so I'm leaning Gaskin and Penny in this one. Um, you know, Packers Ravens very much could be a grinded out type game, but I don't necessarily see the efficiency being there. And, and we'll see if Lamar Jackson even plays. You throw in Taylor or uh, uh, Tyler Huntley. Huntley. You don't. I mean, again, even with running backs, he's someone to target 
matchups that have you know decent scoring potential. We do have to note that the Seattle Rams game has been pushed to Tuesday. Um, does give yeah, Alex Collins could, a chance you to could get see cleared. Collins so. and Lockett come back because those are the two that are on the COVID list right now. I need Lockett um, to come back. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people. I mean, I I'm playing in leagues that I'm playing against Lockett. So if he wants to just stay out, that's fine. I agree. I think it's Gaskin and Penny. Um, I'm not picking Freeman. He's the bottom of this list for me. Dylan, it's a game that 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 fits right for him, right? If Baltimore's without Jackson, they've struggled to score points. It should base defense is playing very good. This fits a Dylan type of matchup where he, Ravens are also bad against are also bad against the run, especially especially in between the tackles. So this could be easily an AJ Dylan week, but. He's still splitting snaps, so splitting opportunities with with Aaron Jones, and he's on the he's on the lower end of that split too. It's still Jones sells out snaps, out runs, and they out runs them and out opportunities them. So yeah, and they're receiving Gaskin is and the receiving work is inconsistent. He's shown the ability to do it, but it's been relatively inconsistent. Yeah, and that's right. I think season. when he gets the receiving work is when Jones either is banged up or is just not playing in that game. So. Right. So hope uh, that helps out Malachi. Yeah. Uh, Gaskin Penny is our, which seems to be our anonymous choice here. Yeah. All right. Back to, <laughs> back to what <laughs> do you handle, do in your league? How to handle a league with, you know, as a right. commissioner. And I think the best thing you, that you can do as a commissioner is throw options out there to your league. I think this is the general summation is you throw options out there to your league and let them figure out how to, how to split it. You know, I think I could see that, you know, at this stage, if we're having this conversation in week six, I agree with you, pay out everyone and yeah. call it yep. good. We're yep. not. We're having this conversation in week 15 where 80% of all leagues should be in their playoffs. Most There are some that you know there won't start till next week. The good news is, is it doesn't look like we're going to have any games outright canceled this week, so should be rolling fine there. Um, look, here's the other argument, though, right? The only reason I see this as a discussion is if games get canceled. If you got players that are just writing the COVID list, you know, even if it's a superstar, like, sorry, that could happen that's, because of an ankle that's injury. That's been a risk for yeah. That's been a risk you for now two should, seasons. You should have built your team with the depth and played the waiver wire in such a way that allows you to accommodate if that were to happen. Now you're not going to replace, you know, if you know a guy like. You know, Cooper Cup were to end up stuck on a COVID list, right? He's had a hell of a season. You are not going to replace that, but you you should be prepared to to pivot. Probably back. Yeah. No, no. This isn't based off of uh, yeah. This is based favorite on, players going on the COVID. Yeah. This is based off based of off. if games get canceled, which I don't think we'll see. Yeah. I, that's so much money lost for the NFL for the players too. That's the teams. last thing that and they want the to happen. Yeah, but they'll they'll push back. What could what makes me nervous is is pushing back games into later weeks. By the way, one other thing, the other reason to like Rashad Penny, this Rams list. Yeah, linebacker Justin Lawler, linebacker Justin Miller, DB Antoine Brooks, DB uh, Jake Gervais. It looks like special teams got hit hard, but linebacker linebacker yeah. Troy Reader, that's their starting middle middle linebacker. Linebacker Christian Rosenboom, linebacker Justin Hollins, 
couple tight ends on, on there, another DB. Um, now, again, these DBs are mostly... Oh, no, there's Jordan Fuller. He's at least up there. Juju Hughes is a little up there. Jalen Ramsey, obviously up there. Um, so, I mean, they're across the secondary and across the linebacking core, not in a great, great spot at the moment. And we'll see what this pushback to Tuesday, how many players get to come back. I think this. a lot of them will. Yeah, it, which well, is ultimately what you want from a fan. You, you know, you want to see decent product out there. Yep, it is. So, yeah, you don't adjust because players miss. But if games get canceled, then you got to figure out how your league would like to adjust. <laughs> talk alternate forms of payouts. Talk, um, you know, even if it's we're still going to have the championship, but we're still going to go through the playoffs. But the prize pool for winning the playoffs is going to be smaller. We're going to go ahead and increase the the regular season payouts. And we're going to go ahead and increase the, you know, we're still going to crown a champion, but we're going to increase the regular season payouts. We're going to increase the division winner payouts, the top points, top record um, to reward that more. We're going to, um, you know, we're axing the playoffs. We're calling it a season. We're going to reward your your regular season champions. We're axing the playoffs. We're calling it a season. We're going to pay out if you made the playoffs. Um, you know, maybe that's not an even split. Maybe that's a, a oh, yeah, you slight bump it. Like yeah. you give people, maybe you give, you give the better. So you have six teams make the playoffs. Maybe you give the bottom two their money back. And then yeah, you split. the bottom two seeds get their money back. And then the rest of it gets split amongst the top two. And that'll depend on look at your league too. And, you know, make it based on record, make it to where you can defend that. If you're going to recommend that, but ultimately, should be a league decision. The commissioner's there for oversight, not to be a dictator, although mine's kind of a dictator in most leagues. Nick, Dan, Ronnie. <laughs> but, yeah. Should be a joint choice. All right. Um, new Non-COVID related news. We're going to find what we can there. Jaguars axe head coach Urban Meyer. This was a long time coming. Came out, he kicked the kicker. It came out that he kicked Josh Lambeau, the kicker at that time. That's what led to the fire. Not on top of the that was the cherry on top. That's what that's that that was the last pour that sent everything that sent everything tumbling over. Yeah, and. He's gone. Daryl Bevel's going to take over. That is great news for James Robinson. You'll remember Daryl Bevel news. from the Seahawks running the ball 550 times a season. So, yeah. Hopefully his body can handle it. <laughs> He's been banged up. He's about to see 30 carries. He's probably about to see 30 carries. Um, also good for watch Visca over the back end, and that's going to be more of a dynasty thing. But Visca to me has some Tyler Lockett qualities, which they obviously know how to use. So keep an eye on that. And I'm not talking Tyler Lockett now, who's the slot guy, great route runner, can separate fantastically. I'm talking like year one, year two, Tyler Lockett, who was primarily used as a downfield threat. And then they worked him in as a more of a Doug Baldwin replacement later on in his career. But I'm talking early on Tyler Lockett. We'll see what Schnell's role is. You know, he's yeah. built like he's built like Dylan. He's built like Debo. Yeah. And he's not he's being used more like Debo on, on a extremely inefficient team and non high scoring team. That's the di- I'm not saying that's the difference. Don't get me wrong. Debo is a more 
far more talented player right now. You don't have mm-hmm. to look too hard to find that. That's what Chenault is. He's built like a running back. That's been his calling card since he came out of college last year. And he looks like a mixture of, of AJ Brown and Debo Samuel. Yeah. And it, hopefully this massive change for Jacksonville. And it's not really this year. I wouldn't look at it this year. You get a run first. I would say you shouldn't be a head coach anyways. We'll see what Jacksonville does in the offseason. That's the big mark. You're going to see a lot of, uh, you're going to see a lot of Jacksonville takes this offseason now with, with Urban Meyer gone. And, and, and when we find out who the new head coach is and what they'll do with the overall offense, because Bevel may still be there at COC. He we'll could see. be, yeah, he could be. We'll he very see. Well, could be. We'll see what happens, and you know, we'll see what they do with Trent Baalke. Um, I don't know that he's gone after one season. Um, you know, yeah, uh, I, I don't. I actually don't think Baalke's gone after one season. I think he'll get three or four seasons to either make this work or run it into the ground. Because you know, you can't fix a team in in one year, right? Yeah, you know, you hope that. You know, one of the early rumors is that Dabo comes in and you hope that doesn't happen because you hope they learn their lesson on this. I can't see them bringing in a college. I can't see them either. After I getting think this is going to be burned a, there. This is a quote unquote safe option. Maybe they'll try to get, you know, Eric Benemy from the Chiefs. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, Eric Benemy is a name that com- that comes up. Arthur Smith is a name that had been tossed around. Um there's a few others that I think that you could potentially try and pluck and, you know, have that. We'll know more about option. that. We'll see. You know, we'll know we more. The, the black we one day, and then we'll be seeing rumors we hear in the offseason. And yeah, there will be a lot of good rumors. The enemy will be a hot name again. Yeah, definitely. As he should be, right? I mean, he absolutely <laughs> should be. Yeah. I... All, right. All right. Cool. Uh, Deshaun Watson will have plenty of time to talk about him in the offseason, so I'm not going to go into those woods we're getting kicked out there. Um, Thielen, non-COVID, game-time decision. Uh, Taylor Heineke, COVID, but also a knee injury, game-time decision. So uh, not going to go into these, you know, everything COVID-related here. We'll talk about the – we'll give you a rundown of who's in COVID protocols as we preview each game. Um yeah. Saquon Barkley cleared, no injury designation for him. Kittle, no injury designation. Going through these because otherwise I'm not going to know when we get to game previews. This is more for me than you. <laughs> uh, uh, Brevin Jordan, questionable with a hand injury. He'd actually been breaking out a little bit as a tight end option. Josh Reynolds is a thigh injury. He's questionable. That was fun for a little bit. Yeah. Rex Burkhead is questionable. Um, after As a player, yes. After he had ruled out and apparently gotten better, his questionable is an option. Period. <laughs> uh, Freddie Swain practicing with an ankle injury. As is Dwayne Eskridge. Those are names to know if, for some reason, Lockett can't go. Right. Uh, this is going to be imagine. such a tough week. DK Metcalf practicing. Elijah Mitchell out. Ruled out. Yeah. Concussion and a knee injury. So Elijah Mitchell will not play. Um, good news for Debo, I, I guess. We saw last week it's a little ugly behind that, though. Jeff Wilson is not a surefire replacement for that. A lot of these players 
a lot of the backs are also coming back from their own injuries. And Debo is just the team's best running back anyway. So Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts practiced in full. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Looks like he's probably going to start, especially with a couple extra days. Good. Hurts is questionable. Rodgers is going to play. Joes will play. Uh, Melvin Gordon questionable week 15 with a hand injury. Limited all week. He'll probably play if it's just a hand. Swift is out. And Jabal Williams was soft to wave. Yeah, Swift out was yeah, it was ruled out. MVS questionable. Wendell Smallwood, nope, that's COVID. And not relevant. Lamar Jackson questionable. We kind of covered that a little bit. We'll get to that more in the game preview. Um I believe Emmanuel Sanders, it says he's doubtful. I thought he's already been ruled out yeah. for this week. And that helps uh clear out Gabe Davis. Chip for Gabe Davis, who's had some big yeah. weeks. Uh, Jordan Howard is back for week 15, so he was splitting with Miles Sanders before he went down. Yes. Uh, Daniel Jones out for another week. I, I won't be shocked if he's – I'm surprised that this one shut him down. Yeah. There's no need to keep playing, try to you know force playing him. Um, also, we got Nick Chubb. <laughs> Nope, that's postponed. Javonta Williams returned to practice after dealing with the leg injury. Uh, he's questionable as well. But, uh, Damian Harris ruled out for 15. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damian Harris ruled out. Ramondre Stevenson will draw the lion's share of the work there. Uh, Cardinals should expect they have Chase Edmonds back. Receiving back. Lions. That'll cut into James Conner's receiving work a little bit. But It's also against the Lions. Yeah, so I it's still, still think Connor will Connor. retain a high amount of his role this, at least yeah. this week and such. Uh, J.D. McKissick is questionable. Terry McLaurin questionable. Ooh, that's tough too. That game got moved, didn't it? Yeah. Well, it's a concussion, so I guess that gives him more time to clear protocols. That's a gamble. Yeah. Okay. Best way to handle this is I'm. As I'm going through this, is let's just go ahead and jump into game previews. We'll look at COVID protocols. We will try our best to to pick out replacements if certain people can't go because of COVID or uh, really injuries from a game that is postponed due to COVID. What the uh, you know what the outlook is if you know for some of these players to get back because like Terry McLaurin just kicked that one off for me. It's like was concussed. He's not cleared yet. He plays would normally play tomorrow which is really concerning, but now it's on a Tuesday where you don't know, you know, you extra two days, you know, we see players clear concussion protocol in a week all the time, but the extra two days is probably big for somebody like him. If he's on the bridge or not fully recovered yet. So yeah, we'll get bored to it when we get there. Uh, we're there by the way, we're there right now. Uh, well, actually we're almost there. Beer review. <laughs> oh, cool. Got the uh, injury report breakdowns, too. Well, there you go. Bush Light. 
Bush Light, what do you got? We've done it's, this before. Uh, we have done this before. It's uh apparently uh per Ben Morgan from Loda Box, his number one beer, his one on one of beers. Because he hates everything craft. But we love him, so we let it slide. Brews in the US of A. As it says on the can. This tastes like piss water. Right here in St. Louis, actually. Yeah, it's actually really good water that's being used for it. But, I mean, this is your farmer's boy. Your corn on, your corn everything, and your Campbell cans. This is uh, this this is their beer. It uh, doesn't have much of a taste. It's a bit skunky. Not because, it, maybe because the can's old. I don't think so, though. But. It's a beer. <laughs> it's it's your typical light beer. I can't really can't give much more review. I mean, this is it, no. I want more in depth. Go more. It's better than Miller Light. I'm I'm not going more in depth. I've given this is this already hurts enough. I'm not continuing the show until we go. No, I'm kidding. I'm not gonna do that. That sounds terrible. All right, something more exciting. Something more exciting. Um, so this would be a coastal sunrise from humble forger, I think, <laughs> because I don't yes. have the can. Um, yeah, this beer is really, really good for a breakfast beer. It's super juicy, as you'd expect from having orange juice and pineapple juice. A live studio audience definitely picked up more of the orange. I get more of the pineapple, but the orange is definitely there up front. Dusting of nutmeg actually helps offset the sweetness in this. It. You know, you don't get a lot of nutmeg on it, but it really helps to tone out the level of sweetness you would get from orange juice and pineapple juice being added to this, you know, post-fermentation, essentially. So, overall, it's a great breakfast beer. Like, it's made for a breakfast beer, and it is a great breakfast beer. I would put it on the level of breakfast drink right there with a mimosa, which is my favorite breakfast drink. For beer that doesn't, for beer that's not actually beer, I mean it's still it's beer, technically a beer. Yeah, I just got a bunch of shit thrown in it, but it's if you can find anything from, if you like fruity, and you can find anything from Humble Forager, just in general, I recommend picking it up. They do what they do very well. A lot of people may not be a fan of what they do, but they do what they do very well. Although I mean they're they're massively popular. It's it's the rise, it, you know. I make jokes. It's the rise of the of the uh, overly adjunct uh, mask everything about the beer rise that we've seen in the last about three or four years now. Really, even started with the massive hazy rise and the the loads of double and uh, uh, triple dry hopping everything. So it's fantastic. I've had most of the. I've had most of the. Uh, uh, coastal series, whether it be the sunset, sunshine, or sunrise, Homo Forger makes fantastic products. I just kid. I mean, we make jokes about the beers that don't taste like beer at all. Okay, well, I guess it's time. Let's go ahead and see if we can dissect this. By the way, Chiefs Chargers played a football game already this week. They did. Total blowout. Love you, Travis Kelsey. 
He decides. My Scott Fishball team loves him right now. Yeah, we right uh, now. we're we are very happy with our uh, with our Travis Kelsey points we got uh, in our yeah. Scott Fishball team. Very good game from Patrick Mahomes. Um, huge game from Tyree Kill. Like it was an absolutely. If you're not Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Chiefs blow up. And on the Chargers side of it, Herbert kind of gave you a floor game, which is still decent. Eckler yeah, gave rushing you a touchdown, at least. Yeah, Eckler gave you a floor game in limited duty. Well, rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns. Yardage was a little low, but yeah. Well, when you're up for most of that game. Yeah. So, I mean, floor game, Keenan Allen, best game of wide receivers. I mean, look, you played that game chalk, you're happy. Yeah. And Guyton did catch a touchdown. But again, yeah. All right, cool. Now. Now we're ready. Patriots Colts, for, the only game remaining on a uh, on Saturday. We lost our, on, our middle on of the tonight's. day game. Yeah. Yes. This is uh, we have the Patriots at the Colts here. Colts are two and a half point favorites at home. Forty four and a half is the game total from a COVID watch. I believe I don't think either team has either anybody or it's very, very minimal. So no real risk or for problems there. Um. It's the wrong game. I don't want that one. In terms of what we've seen historically, Patriots are riding a eight-game cover streak right now against the spread that, you know, filters in favorites and underdogs. Uh, Colts have, have been on a every other uh, tear since the end of October here. So, you know, deal with that information as you will. It's hard to bet against the Patriots right now. They've covered every game that they've won on this eight-game winning streak. They're the best team in football. Um, at least right now they are. It, it, it's I'm going to ride them. At this point, when you see a streak like this, you just keep going. You take New England and the points. And I take the over. I think this game's going to be close enough, and that's also dictated by the spread itself that uh, this game could easily be pushed. We've seen Mac Jones kind of, I won't say unleashed by any means, but the offense is being opened up to him more. Even without Damian Harris, this running game is fine. It's not built around one player. No. So uh, Patriots, two and a half, plus two and a half, and the over 44 and a half. All right. Uh, fantasy, what you need to know, Damian Harris is not playing. We mentioned that already. That's a Ramondre Stevenson start. Um, the, again, Patriots running game is a is a big part of their offense, and it is not built around one person. Um, that is your, your biggest note on that side of it, Colts side of it. Um, the suddenly kind of relevant again, Jack Doyle is participating in practice. <laughs> so there's that. There's that. Um, stuff matchup for the Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously will will get his um, the Patriots. Uh, Christian Barmore is quest- is questionable with a knee injury, um, so that's big run stuffing DT for them. So, but you know Jonathan Taylor obviously ridden him this long. Patriots are tougher run defense. I would expect more floor than blow up in this game from JT, but. You don't need to give JT a lot of analysis. Michael Pittman's the one I would shy away from if you have a better option with JC Jackson in this game. Um, you know, that is a top-tier corner on a top-tier coverage on a team that doesn't give a lot of passing volume out. Um, you know, Pittman has kind of been more 
wide receiver two than high upside wide receiver one. He's been very solid all season. Um, this is a game where that solid could turn into something that's a little bit disappointment, disappointing, yeah. um, given the matchup on that. The other side of this, um, for the Patriots, Kendrick Bourne has kind of been a, a boom-type guy. Um, that absolutely can happen against the Colts. So this is more game script neutral for the Patriots, though, and we have seen them go to Jacoby Myers as well, uh, all season as well. Um, the basic takeaway here on the Patriots side of this is that I wouldn't get too cute with uh, with Bourne unless you're in a really, really bad situation because of some of these COVID questionables and stuff. Um, and on the Jacoby Myers side, I mean, that's a solid floor plug-in if you need it. I mean, there's there's floor to be had when there's more than three pass attempts. Well, that, yeah. I mean, Bourne, you know, target-wise snap share wise routes run i mean it's tough i wouldn't target any patriot receiver if 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 the game's going their way it's very much run focused mac jones you know picks and takes what he wants but in a world where uh covet is running rampant through the nfl you might need one of them you may not have a choice right and if you need one of them it's myers for floor and born for upside and i don't love either of them this week but those are two viable guys. The problem is they play tonight, and I don't know that I am plugging any of them in tonight. I am going to take my chances on Sunday games or replacements from the later games if I have to, depending on what the injuries are. So, yes. and again, we'll we'll cover that as we get there. Let's move on to the next game. All right, Jets. I'm sorry. Oh, Panthers wait, at wait, the hold Bills. On. Hold on. I forgot to look at COVID stuff. Zaire Franklin for the Colts, linebacker. Um, I forgot to check the COVID list because we haven't been doing this. Uh, okay. JJ Taylor, Dalton Keene for the Patriots. So nobody relevant. Now nobody go relevant. Now go. All on. right. Panthers at the Bills. Bills are 12 and a half point favorites. Over under set at a 44 even. Both teams have struggled to kind of cover in recent times. Bills has just been a team that's been very up and down. We don't, you know, you know, we, we like to tell people to throw out a lot of games, but we could still throw out the uh, the game against the Patriots. Looked good. I, th- I thought they looked pretty good against the Bucks this past week. It's just I think the offense. I think I think Allen and this offense has been figured out, and I think it's them trying to navigate through the defenses that have the personnel that can actually slow down this offense. Panthers have a good defense. I don't know if they have the right amount of you know. <laughs> players in place to fully stop this Bills offense, but I think it's good enough to cover this 12 and a half points that's being given to him, even even with Buffalo at home uh, and riding this, you know, two-game losing streak, one and three in their past uh, four, and uh, two and uh, four in their past six. So I'm still taking the Panthers at plus 12 and a half. That's a lot of points to give to a team that's got a good enough defense, and hopefully the offense that can kind of neutralize this team here i'll take the under at 44 as well yeah it's not that the offense can't score all right um perspectives on this one panthers obviously no christian mccaffrey he's back on ir um you have dj moore limited with a hamstring injury keep an eye on that he will likely play i haven't seen a lot of concern around that on the Bills side of things um, some defensive injuries. Uh, Star Lutile, uh, 
Lutella, I can't. No disrespect intended. I just can't say it. Yep. Um, he's questionable with the toe injury, limited. So uh, Jerry Hughes had also been banged up. So some bang- some people banged up on the on the front there. You got Cole Beasley, who's not participating in practice. Don't know what for. Just probably Veterans Maintenance Day. No injury listed. Yep. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders is you know doubtful, i.e. not playing. So um, Emmanuel Sanders. That's going to open up the door for Gabe Davis a little bit more uh, to actually get on the field. Um, they play a similar similar role, and Emmanuel Sanders is kind of the ice water on Gabriel Davis for a lot of those downfield targets and a lot of that downfield work. It's the Panthers. I don't know that they end up in a negative game script here. By negative game script, I mean having to pass a bunch. But Davis has touchdowns in the last two weeks. Target volume is a little spotty. Um Again, it's one of those guys that if you have to plug somebody in in a pinch, it's a name to know. Um, and this is a, a Sunday game, Sunday afternoon game. So you know, the, now you're getting more into the I may need to play this guy in a pinch, especially if these you go another day without some of these names being cleared. Yeah. Um, Davis is a very, very good name to know, especially with no Emmanuel Sanders. Um, for the Bills, we know that running the football hasn't necessarily been their uh, forte, shall we say. Even yeah. against the Patriots, um, in you know the freaking or sorry, yeah, in the Patriots in the freaking Blizzard game, um, you know, wasn't necessarily their their strong suit. Um, still not giving anybody a ton of rushing attempts, not giving anybody a ton of target volume. It was Singletary last week, not consistent target volume anyway. It was Singletary last week. Um, I don't know how you can lean into this run game at all given some of the other people that have popped up. Um, I know that I personally don't want to do it. Matt Burita is the most efficient runner, but it's not pretty. On the Panthers' side of the football, uh, running game has been death, really, since Cam took back over and, well, intermittently took back over. Yeah, two quarterbacks that can run, though, on P.J. Walker and Cam Newton, that they seem to be going back and forth between at the moment. Normally that creates a bad situation for wide receivers, but it really hasn't. D.J. Moore, 10 targets each of the last two weeks. I'm going to trust that volume. Um, and Robbie Anderson came on last week just in time for the fantasy playoffs as he's kind of known to do. So it's like, it's right on cue. It's right on cue. He does this all the time. He does it. I feel like every year he's been in the NFL, right? <laughs> it's just been, it's calling. Card. It's just been, it's fantasy playoff times. Robbie Anderson going to turn it up. Really? It's been better since Cam got back though. Um, yep. and McCaffrey went down. You saw 12 targets to him last week in a, in, you know, a relatively tightly contested game. Um, they were down for a good bit of it, but relatively tightly contested division game. 12 targets went Robbie Anderson's way. Again, it's a name to know. It's not somebody I'm advocating that you start because that was an anomaly, really, over the last five weeks, six weeks. But, again, if that's going to be a trend, there are going to be what I would anticipate on a negative game script most of the time. You could definitely see some volume working his way. Um, so, Again, it's a name to know if you're super concerned about these wide receivers on the COVID list. That's all I got. I don't oh. trust the Panthers running game either, honestly. Um, you know, a lot of people are on Amir Abdullah, but he has not done much. And yeah, just I don't trust really anything with the Panthers. They have two mobile quarterbacks that can't protect the football. Nope. The only thing I trust is the fact that DJ Moore's gotten 10 targets each of the last two weeks while that clusterfuck is going on. So, yeah. 
If this spread was anything less than 10 points, I'd be more on Buffalo. All right. Jets at the Dolphins. Dolphins, nine and a half point favorites at home. The 41 even is the over under here. Miami's riding a hot streak against the spread. They've covered you know five in a row. Uh, you know, game six in this span was a push. Uh it, it, this team has kind of found its leg here during this winning streak that they're on. You know, two was playing very good. And it, the loss of Waddle, I think it's going to hurt the receiving game. It's going to hurt the trust a lot more. It's going to hurt the overall, the overall, you know, floor of the, of the pass and attack. They do have viable options outside of just Waddle. You know, Devonta Parker, Mike Gusecki, um, defining production from Matt Collins and Isaiah Ford. So I, I I'm still trusting this Miami team. The Jets are 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 a massively dysfunctional at this point, and uh, you can't place all the blame on Zach Wilson and for his trouble so far this year. But the Jets team is in disarray. I'll take the Dolphins even at nine and a half. This has been their highest, I think, favorite game all year, and I think they should be able to pull this out against the Jets. Maybe. Only concern you guys maybe a backdoor cover towards the end of the game here. So I'll take Miami. I'll stay away from the over under. Um, but if anything, I'll lean, I'll lean under at 41. As the Dolphins defense has been playing better as well. You know, points they've given up nine, ten. They gave up 17 against the Jets just a few weeks ago. Uh 10 points to Baltimore, nine to Houston. So their their defense plays well against bad offenses. And we know that the Jets have a bad offense. So that's it. All right. You mentioned Waddle. Uh, Waddle is on the COVID list. He was added two days ago. Uh, don't know if he's going to clear in time or not. That's a major concern, obviously. He's been their leading target getter, their most viable wide receiver. Um, you have a you have an issue there. Uh, for the Jets, there's nobody really relevant being impacted by COVID. You have a banged-up offensive line from an injury perspective on that front, just to, to set this up. You're also missing yep. Adam Shaheen, potentially, in the, the Dolphins' passing game. So, as we break into this, Jalen Waddles, the first COVID, or the first real fantasy-relevant wide receiver we'll get to. That is a boost to Miles Gaskin, who they will use in the receiving game, especially around the line of scrimmage, which is a lot of how Waddle gets used. Um yep. But also a boost to Devontae Parker in the in the intermediate game, um, who, you know, we saw the breakout last year from Parker, and then this year we've seen Waddle, Waddle and injuries kind of throw throw water back on that to make you think, well, maybe last year was a Devontae Parker anomaly. But he's had a little bit – he's had solid weeks the last two weeks. If Waddle doesn't go – the last three weeks, really. If Waddle doesn't – or sorry, last three games he's played. Um, he hasn't been on the field. If Waddle no. doesn't go, Devontae Parker is going to be the wide receiver one there. He's likely been dropped. He's likely on waivers. He's somebody that I would absolutely consider plugging in. Now, the flip side of that, it's bad game script. This is a huge, lot of positive arrows pointing to Miles Gaskin in this one. From game script to the lack of potential lack of Jalen Waddle to um, Philip Lindsay being on the COVID list right now as well. A lot of positives right now that point at um, at Miles Gaskin. Outside of Gaskin, Parker, and then Gasecki, who's been solid all season, and he's a tight end. So, you know, 
Tight ends are tight ends, right? But Gasecki has been rather quietly more involved than a lot of tight ends. He's putting together a very solid year. Um, touchdowns haven't necessarily been there, but the yardage and the volume absolutely is. So you're good on that. On the Jets side of the football, um, is Elijah Moore still dealing with a quad? He's on IR. He's on he's IR. For the That's year. what it yeah, was. He's, he's been. He's done for the year. All right, you got Elijah Moore on IR. That happened last week. I'm just an idiot. You'll have that. Um, Checking target volume last week against the Saints, but I don't believe that there was anything here that I'm going to love very much. Michael Carter does make his return for the Jets. That is a boost. That is a good thing. Um, Your target volume, Braxton Berrios. Saw 10 targets, but just 52 yards last week. Six receptions. It's 11 PPR points. Again, he's a floor guy, especially in what I'd assume is a negative game script. Um, he looks to be the guy that kind of started getting work when with more going down. Um, you also have no Corey Davis, who's on season-ending IR. Um, you did see a lot of target volume go Keelan Cole's way as well. Um, Cole likely to draw tougher matchups playing outside versus um Barrios who plays primarily out of the slot. So Braxton Barrios is probably your guy here if you need a floor game. But Michael Carter Jesus. back. That I'd expect Michael Carter is probably going to be the focal point of their offense. I'll possibly. I mean it's still going to be I mean depends how you know how healthy he is. I again this is a team that has nothing to play for. I don't know why there even there's no need to bring back Michael Carter. Shut, shut him down for the year if he's supposed to be a uh, you know a well, future asset to your team. Unless he is fully healthy and they gave him the extra couple weeks or whatever already, but because you don't. Know. I mean, it, it does bull well. I mean, Ty Johnson, you know, seven targets this past week. Um, that does bull well, even you know, even for a guy like Michael Carter who does get heavily involved in the passing game. They have three other receivers outside of Braxton Berrios get six targets. So Zach Wilson, you know, obviously known to spread the football around. They're trying to find some of that Elijah Moore replacement in these truly replacement level wide receivers here. Honestly, um, based I, that Braxton, Braxton Berrios take just on, you know, the fact that we have seen Braxton Berrios whenever there's an injury. He's never going to get double teamed. The fact that, you know, yeah. Jamison Crowder should be the guy that's going to see any significance. I mean, how do you, you know, game plan to this offense with nothing to be, nothing to be excited about? <laughs> like, you can't, you, there's no blanket covering. They're not just going to leave guys in the box because it's not like they have a running back that's, you know, hyper great, but. Oh, gross. Sorry, Jets fans. We don't need to keep piling on you. Nope. Just keep removing. All right. Dal uh, Cowboys at the Giants. Cowboys are 10 and a half point favorites. A 44 and a half is the over under. After Dallas is kind of lull of non-cover streaks against the spread after the massive start that they've had, they cover their past two. Both of them just under, just shy under touchdown favorites against Washington and New Orleans. Teams kind of figuring this shit out while the Giants are kind of in this massive disarray. That they know Daniel Jones, Mike Glennon sucks. A healthy Barkley will help, but it, does it really? You know, to the overall game flow of the actual game. I like Dallas to cover this ten and a half. A lot of points. The Giants are better defensively. 
but Dallas can just run up the score if they need to. Offense is easily lead enough, and this is kind of a perfect game to kind of set everything straight. Yet they're fine offensively as they're going into this uh, playoff stretch and trying to vie for a potential number one seed. So I like I like the Cowboys to cover here. Um, I'll take the under. I don't trust the Giants to score points. I just, no, I don't uh, trust the Giants to score points either with Mike Lennon and his backup, and Barkley's basically just been an RB2 and not. You know, we yeah. saw, we've seen kind of the last week or so that some of the explosiveness and pop and abilities coming back, recovering from that ankle injury. But, you know, it, it's been a thing the last couple seasons, and the explosiveness just hasn't necessarily been there for him. Um, he's going to be a great value next year. He, I think he's contract be. year. Oh, my God. He's going to be. It almost feels like Todd Gurley asked after his, yeah. his uh, sophomore season into junior season. Yep, he will be. Um, he's an RB2 this week. You're going to plug him into your lineup there. You're going to play him. Um, Cowboy's a little tough, but he's the best thing they have going on that offense right now. The receiving game is a total dumpster fire. I don't want anything to do with it for the Giants. Um, for the Cowboys, that side of it, um, trust what you saw last week. So, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. Um, you know, Pollard may play with the plantar fascia injury. That injury still scares the shit out of me, though. So I'd probably pull off of that if you could. Yeah. Um, because that's pain management, but that is a tough one for a running back. So, I mean, that scares the shit out of me, especially if I'm trying to rush him back. And then Dalton Schultz is also scaring the shit out of me. Just three targets last week. Again, this is kind of what we're concerned about with a full, healthy complement of, of wide receivers. I think you're probably going to play... I think you you may see Schultz and Gallup kind of alternate who's going to be more relevant at their position, essentially. Um, this is a game where I don't expect a lot of passing volume to have to happen anyway. Um, I would avoid Schultz if you can. It's tied in, so you might not be able to. Um, and for Michael Gallup, um, he's another one of those guys hanging out kind of in the wide receiver two to three range that – you know, if you have to start, start him. But the way that I expect this game script to kind of go, I don't love it, even though he's seen target volume. I don't know if it's based off of Lance so coming back from his injury. Gallup out, snapped, and out, ran route. I believe C.D. Lamb this past week against Washington. Sure. I know he out-snapped him. Just looking at the snaps off of, uh, off of pro football focus. Um, that, and, and that's not a concern. I'm not opinion that as a concern about City Lamb. City Lamb is so very much no, the best player, the best wide receiver in this offense. Ten targets, right? And what do I always say? It's, ten, I, it, ten it's for, more of a note to Gallup's on the field. The fact yeah. that they it, it, it'd be well, more Gallup's note. Gallup's going to be on the field. Gallup's runs I mean, one of the most a... three receiver sets yeah. as they should. That the best three receivers in football. That that the best receiving core in football. He's... But if, if Gallup is getting all two receiver sets that still plays note the fact that you should still be playing Gallup. It's not a indictment to lamb. It's a, you should still be playing Gallup because he's still running a lot. He's still on a high profile offense. He's still running a lot of routes. Well, when I get a point per lots. route run league, I'll be more confident in that well, until we get a routes point. runner. So important until we get a points for route run league, when you're going, you know, five receptions for 36 yards, which was two weeks ago. I'm skeptical. When you're doing five for 60, you're on the fringe. He's coming back from injury. 
Like again, this isn't he's an indictment one. to CeeDee Lamb. This is still Michael he's Gallup's still been fantasy. Back relevance. from injury since week ten. <laughs> and he's had one relevant week. Just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're a month plus removed from coming back from injury. I, I fine, week eleven. Played fifty played. 50% in the snaps in week 10. I'm not counting week 10. Okay, fine. Week 11, 10 targets, five receptions, 44 yards. He's in a I mean, 10, 8, 9, 9. Yeah. You know, target wise, target that's still pretty good. Fine. Productivity is inefficient, though. That's my problem. He's a floor player then. He's gotten eight plus targets since he's been back. Yeah, nine... not since he's been back. But hey, you preach floor all the time. Yeah, just saying. Nine eight plus floor. targets on I a like my high profile be... offense. I like my floor to be double digits. But I mean, Five catches for 50 yards is double digits. Five catches for 44 <laughs> yards is not. <laughs> you're, you're, rounding, Anyways. you're rounding up. Yes, I'm going to argue over six-tenths of a point. <laughs> He's been over 10 points the last three weeks. Hey, damn it. I won a game because of a two-point defensive adjustment <laughs> last week. So. I lost a game off of a uh, four-point sack correction in an IDP league. And so. that, that ended up costing me the playoffs spot so it got my win streak alive in your league i know i saw that i was right. so happy about that <laughs> i'm all you got pissed. anything more to talk about on this team uh no i game? don't okay unless you want to argue the cowboys more because that seems to be something we do every week yeah we, well we got to find something i just blame the cowboys for having this much talent for having too much so, so much it. talent on the offensive side for having of too much talent yeah. on an offense that's not you know, producing more. By the way, not an indictment on Michael Gallup. I like Michael Gallup quite a bit, and he's a free yeah. agent, and there's been Bears rumors already, and I'm really hoping that happens, actually. so oh, I would love him paired with Justin Fields. It, it, it Just, oh, give me it. The whole thing. And then they still draft the receiver. Yeah, no. I don't think Gallup's number one. I don't think he's a one. Well, Gallup's you, a really good number two. You, well, they have a second-round pick, but you draft a you know one upside potential in the second round, and you grab the number two. And he compliments what Darnell Mooney already does well. So, and this is a really good receiving free agent class. Welcome to a preview of our free agency episode. Yeah. All right. Titans at the Steelers. Steelers, a point favorite at home. Forty-three and a half is the game total. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't like watching Pittsburgh. They, they just. Did that whole offense the the game? It annoys me, but they're playing a lot better than what we we thought they'd be. You know, to start the season, Tennessee still hasn't had AJ Brown. He's not off fire. I think he is done for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Julio did some stuff this past week. I uh, I kind of like Pittsburgh here. It's it's a bit gross. This is basically a pick'em game. If Tennessee was at home, this would be probably upwards to minus uh, 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 four. Um, I still think people are gonna like Tennessee to you know to flat out win this game. I I would basically avoid this. I don't trust either team. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense is kind of struggling with losing some of their key pieces. Maybe just bet the over Most 43 back. TJ Watts practicing in full. Joe Hayden yeah. practiced in full. Which is good. They're getting healthy on defense. Yeah, which is ultimately what they truly need because uh, Tennessee's offense, you know, Deontay Foreman's been good, not great. 
um, you know, getting Julio back and finding some of, you know, finding some production from their, their lesser known receivers has been good, but Tannehill, it's, it's very clear that they need, you know, Henry and Brown back to be where they were. So, yeah. And you're still holding out hope Henry makes a, a late yeah. season return. Like this a should be a championship week return is the earliest I would expect. This should still be a playoff team. Um, and just kind of riding out, and hopefully they can take that division. So I'm still taking Pittsburgh, and I'll uh, I'll lean the over here. Okay, Steelers' run defense has not been good, to say the least. The pass rush is, we know that. The pass coverage is, the run defense is not. So this is a game that, you know, again, Deonta Foreman floor games, right? They're yeah. a thing yep. that can happen, especially with injury. He's a floor... You know, you're going to get a floor player, not a ton of receiving work there. But, you know, Deonta Foreman, Foreman floor games, I'm I'm on board with. You mentioned Julio. Um, look, I would be very surprised if Hayden doesn't end up on, on Julio and they try to, you know, put it on Westbrook Akine to, you know, and Marcus Johnson, essentially, to try to do something. Something. Yeah. And, you know, that to me votes against Julio a little bit. I know we've been burned betting against Julio. If he's a top option, he's a top option and should see top option work. Um, you know, what I don't know is God. You know, it's a Julio Joe Hayden matchup, right? You're looking at this as a premier fantasy matchup four years ago. Yeah, it's kind of uh, not so much here. Yeah. And Hayden gets beat. Yeah, he oftentimes, like every time I watch Pittsburgh, I feel like he gets banged up at some point. So. He does. So you know, Julio's fine. I just would not expect. It's one of those expect a floor game type things because he's gonna get volume, right? If they're yeah. down, if they have to pass, it's they're gonna try to incorporate Julio Jones. It's just a matter of how. What does that translate to? And I'd expect it to be relatively inefficient. Um, for Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger has shown the ability to throw a football again, a little bit. <laughs> yes, he can do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's shown some ability to do what what he's supposed to do. He's shown some pop the last couple weeks. Uh, oh, there's a fun stat: one touchdown three weeks ago, two touchdowns two weeks ago, three touchdowns last week. So he's on pace for four touchdowns. If you believe in those trends, <laughs> um. But no, in in all seriousness, he's had forty pass attempts in four of the last, or three of the last four weeks. Um, you know that's put him up two sixty, two hundred seventy yards. So I mean, it's still short distance. Um, but you know, two three touchdown games and a two touchdown game. He's very streamable. He's very playable right now. Roethlisberger is. Tennessee is not. They don't have a good secondary, so you can beat them that way. What that means for Pittsburgh is obviously Deontay Johnson. Um, you know, for Chase Claypool, he'll be in he'll get his target volume. He'll be involved. I'm okay with Chase, I'm okay with Deontay. And then obviously Najee Harris, you just you plug it in and forget that he's there. He's been fine. He's been he's More volume, volume, he's volume. Pretty good. He's volume all all day volume for Najee Harris. Yeah. So fun fact about this Tennessee backfield. All three running backs, so McNichols, Hilliard, and Foreman, all between 
27 and 23 snaps. So that's less than 40% total. Foreman ran the most routes, was obviously the most productive, scored the touchdown to start the game, got off to a great start. Uh, 13 carries, 8 carries, 6 carries. <laughs> I'll take 13. Yeah, we're always going to take Foreman. It's just with McNichols coming back off IR, I, it just really just muddled up this. And it's who's going to get the big play. Sure. And, and it's 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 more gross. And there's a world where else. both of them are flex value players, right? Because if you believe this game script is going to tilt towards towards Pittsburgh, then you're going to believe in McNichols coming in and getting that receiving work as the more dynamic receiver. Um, you'll see Foreman early, and that's a scenario where, you know, it, and if the game script tilts the other way towards Tennessee, because we've seen Pittsburgh lay some absolute duds, scenario yeah. where you're going to see more Foreman. So there is a scenario where both guys have have flex value, and you don't have to stretch that hard to see it between Foreman and McNichols. Hilliard ran one more route than McNichols, and this and, and I know it's, back, this, it, it's, it's, it's very it's very minor. I mean, Foreman is the first second down in between the tackles grinder. It's I think part of that's McNichols coming back from injury. Though, it's got to be right. And it was also against Jacksonville again that they had well in hand throughout. Obviously, they didn't you know give up any points. So right. in a game that should factor to be easily more balanced, I think McNichols, I wouldn't be surprised if McNichols all snaps and all snaps both of them again. And he ends up being talked about as a waiver pickup for the playoff run because he was the obviously the primary backup to you know, to uh, uh, to Derrick Henry when hearing you went down and before they picked up AP. So, anyways, Texans at the Jaguars, clearly the game of the week because uh, everyone's rushing out to watch this game. Jacksonville is four and a half point favorites at home. 39 and a half is the over under. I don't think Jacksonville has been favored at all this year. They, I, they have not. No, Vegas picking up on that energy. Um, as a betting man, you kind of got to go in Houston's point because this is a massive, I mean, this is a pretty big swing. Oh. In terms of what, in terms of perception and what the team has actually done. But it's also Houston who also fucking sucks. And Davis Mills is uh, at least has looked like has almost looked like the second best rookie quarterback this year, which is insane to think about. I'm still taking Jacksonville, right? We, we gotta have fun with this. You're, you're still taking Jacksonville, uh-huh. and I'm taking the over. I'm I'm more I'm more excited to bet the over than actually taking Jacksonville against the spread. I, 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 I like both teams suck against the spread this year. I'm excited to like the Jags again for a week. Yeah, I, I mean. Everyone's excited to see what this offense could be. We're all pumped to see James Robinson get 30 carries. And we're we're going to see game manager uh, Trevor Lawrence here. Which you should be right now, honestly. Throwing 25 passes and a run-heavy offense. but That's how it should go. I'm still taking the over. And I'll lean Jacksonville minus four and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go. I'm with you. Ride the hell out of James Robinson Ride, in this one. Let's have some fun. Yeah, and there's no Carlos Hyde. Yep, no Carlos Hyde. Ride the hell out of James Robinson in this one. Um, you know, you mentioned the way Chenault's being used. I would watch that. Marvin Jones has been up down all year for Jacksonville. Um, 
actually. Yeah, I mean, they've all been. I mean, in, we don't know what this we offense what, is now going to look like. Well, the without... offensive. Yeah, we don't know how much influence Meyer had over what Bevel wanted to do. I'm assuming it was a lot. Um, but yeah, actually, that's crazy to think about that Meyer was asking Daryl fucking Bevel to re- defend his resume. Like, I know Devil Bevel gets a lot of hate in some circles, but I mean, have you heard he's of, been successful. Have you heard of the I mean, Seahawks? He's had, I mean, he's, <laughs> right. also, he's also had some of the best running backs in the history of the NFL during his uh, tenure as OC throughout his career. Well, that and, makes you, you wonder, know, right? Adrian Peterson. Yeah. I mean, How much impact did he have on that? Yeah. Exactly. You know, he gets, you know, Peterson and Marshawn Lynch throughout the majority of his career. Yep. And now he goes to Jacksonville and, and, and they find a, a diamond in James Robinson, you know, a, a, a diamond in the rough with James Robinson. So if this was week six, I would be saying start the Jaguars and have some fun. But because I think they are going to have some fun. Yeah, Marvin Jones out targeted Laquan Treadwell. The problem here is that they're playing as really kind of similar types of players, but they both had floor the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I don't expect the offense to come out and change wholesale, right? It's plus yeah. matchup. You mentioned it yourself. Davis Mills has been able to to put some points on the scoreboard. Again, both guys is flex plays for me, especially if you've got wide receiver problems, right? Now, yeah. if you have both these guys, I don't know if you're in playoff contention, <laughs> but you could I, be. Yeah, I mean. You could have lost an A.J. Brown, right? You could have lost uh um, DeAndre Hopkins and been struggling with that one and need somebody to plug in that's going to have some floor. They're both there. Treadwell's been a yeah. little more consistent the last couple of weeks than Jones has. This isn't a game we're excited to target, but we're more excited at the fact that we get to see post-Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Right. And so, what is a clusterfuck of a week. I'm totally okay with those guys, O'Shaughnessy, who's getting Dan Arnold target volume. And, um, yeah what they're going to do here. It's going to be more clear after this week. The one thing I am completely 100% sure about is ride the hell out of James Robinson. Yeah. Super chalk. It'll be a super chalk week for James. Houston Robinson. will also have a football team on the field. They will. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. That's it. It's the only thing you care about it. is Brandon Cooks. Perfect. And it's just kind of okay. All right. Let's move on to a game that most people don't care about either. The Cardinals at the Lions. Cardinals are 12 and a half point favorites on the road. 47 and a half is the over under. We get to see what the Cardinals again look like without DeAndre Hopkins, who's now done for the year. Murray is continued to be healthy. Um, as we've started to see him, you know, kind of bounce back to what he was beginning of the season when he was in its MVP dominant ways. Um, oh, betting, but. Sorry, I got to go back because I forgot to look at COVID. One other thing for that matchup with James Robinson. Yeah. Kirksey and Grugier Hill for the Texans are both on the COVID list right now. So two of their starting linebackers are right now not cleared to play. More reasons to go James Robinson chalk. Sorry, continue. All right. Detroit, oddly enough, great against spread this year. They're 8-5 record overall, 6-4 in their passing games. They uh, started this past week against the Broncos. They've covered every game dating back to the beginning of of, of November, and uh, it, it's a team that generally plays up to their competition. They don't win these games, but they definitely play up to the competition. So I kind of like Detroit to cover at home. 
you know, this is a game that it feels like if the Cardinals get up, you know, two, three touchdowns, they kind of start to see some more rested, you know, players. This is a game that should easily win, especially if they get up early. Um, Detroit in the backdoor cover feels so, so in play here. So I'll take Detroit at, at plus 12 and a half, and I'll take the over. Even without Swift, this offense can still find production. Hopefully, Josh Reynolds plays, but they've gotten they've gotten production off of you know their rookie receiver in St. Brown, yeah, and being able to find stuff in Khalif Raymond and Hawkinson. Um, you know, Cardinals could play them a little more relaxed defense in the second half when they're up multiple touchdowns. So I I, I like Detroit to cover here. Yeah, I like Detroit to to cover um the two names you need to know from detroit right now craig reynolds if jamal williams doesn't get cleared had a very very efficient day i think he led the team in carries had two receptions which might have also led the team from uh, a running back perspective anyway i think he yeah godwin i'm not even gonna try just eight attempts, 25 yards. Craig Reynolds, 11 for 83. Two receptions for 16 yards in that game. You need a running back plug-in. You know, Keep Craig an Re- eye out on Jamal Williams, too. Yeah, but yes, also watch for, for Jamal Williams here. Um, Cardinals defense better than a lot of people yeah. realize as well. So, you know, it's a cautionary tale. But he's right there in flex consideration with like guys like Devonta Freeman, for example. So... Um, you can't back off of that. I'm on Ross St. Brown's the one I'm a little bit more excited about. It's a game script that should lean his way, as you just mentioned. Uh, 12 targets each of the last two weeks. While Reynolds has been getting the deep work, Reynolds hasn't been getting the volume that St. Brown has been. So you're really starting to see St. Brown come on is what I kind of liked him for coming out of college. Slow start to the season, but you know he's had some flash games here and there, and he's strung together a couple of them now. So I expect that trend to continue is they've kind of figured out how to how to use him, how to get him involved, and how to make him a weapon. Um, I would absolutely expect that to continue forward for him. On the other side of the football, the Cardinals, the biggest boon here is James Conner. Um, from a game script perspective, from a um, you know performance perspective, it's been a lot of James Conner. You are going to have no new Coppins. We saw A.J. Green um run away with that target volume last week. Uh, look, this is, if they're going to target A.J. Green in the wide receiver one role, he's going to win in this game. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, from what we saw on Monday night, it's this is Green may be that, that true Hopkins replacement. Yeah, and you know what? That's why you bring in a guy like that, though, too. Yeah. Does he have a little bit left in the tank? Well, yeah, he apparently has a little bit left in the tank. He dealt with injuries a ton at the end of his run in in Cincinnati, but 10 for 102 is a little bit of a turn-back-the-clock performance, and while Christian Kirk saw his normal six to eight targets, guess what? Decent game. Nuke re-aggravated the hamstring. That's going to free up 13 targets there. Um, they're not going to have to throw nearly as much as they did in a shootout with the Rams, but um, I'm okay with Kirk and Green both in this one. And Zach Ertz has floor. No Hawkinson. I mean, he does. No Hawkinson for the Lions either. He's officially out. So is he officially out yeah, too? That's uh, another. And yeah, maybe least, we uh, just lean off of the uh, 
the Lions cover. I uh, I don't know. Of course, I'm yeah. still taking them. That's uh, all right. Another beast there, St. Brown. Yeah. Atlanta at the 49ers. 49ers are nine and a half point favorites at home. 46 even is the game total here. <coughs> we talked about early on in the show. There's no Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers. So they're running back backfield is kind of in a cluster here, but the offense is so producing fairly well. Atlanta is in this kind of fake was was looked like a rebuild that turned into a fake rebuild. They're they're now in in true playoff contention because they keep beating on teams they should definitely beat. This is not a game they should win. This is why the spread is this high. I still like the Niners. I don't know if they'll cover this almost 10 point uh spread here is a bit concerning. Um this feels like this feels like a a grind them out. So I'll I'll take Atlanta and the nine and a half points here and I'll take the over uh San Francisco's defense isn't necessarily great. Atlanta, we know, isn't very good. Um, this feels like a game that that's going to push over, uh, just based on potential back and forth scoring, based off, you know, if Atlanta does get up, let's say going into the third and fourth quarter, that that bowls well for this game to go over as San Francisco's and become more a little more up tempo. So I'll take I'll take Atlanta to cover nine and a half. And then I'll take the over on the 46. Yeah. Um, for San Francisco, a little banged up on on defense. No Drake Greenlaw. Um, he's officially out. Linebacker for them. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, questionable. One of their defensive backs. So a little banged up there. Russell Gage has been absolutely fantastic for, um, for the Falcons the last couple weeks. So ride that, ride Patterson. Uh, Niners, you know, Ayuk has been your leading receiver. Debo Samuel has been involved in a multitude of ways. I don't expect that to change, especially with no uh, Elijah Mitchell this week. So, yeah, you're okay with your Niners and who you'd normally run with, with your Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. Um, you know, Garoppolo's had some stream value. It's still going to be on the lower end of that stream spectrum. Um, for the Falcons, it's been a lot of Gage and a lot of Patterson, and that's how they've been running their offense. Efficient. Yeah. Easy. Chalk. Efficient. Efficient. Yeah, it, it is chalk. And and just a note on, on Gage real quick, I just want to throw some numbers out there for him because so people know what the hell I'm talking about, basically. Um, you know, for Gage, well, you know, 8, 7, 12, and 6 the last several weeks, um, 49, 62, 130, and 64 yardage totals and a touchdown. Yeah, he's got some upside. Basically, as far as that wide receiver three flex range goes. I like it. All right. Bengals at the Broncos. Broncos, three-point favorites at home. 44 even is the game total. As both teams are surprisingly in playoff contention, sitting at both seven and six. Denver getting the nod as the home team as your favorite in this. Uh, it's hard I, I I I'm just excited about about the Bengals, right? I'm I'm gonna bet the Bengals. Both teams aren't they're about even against the spread here. Denver is on this every other week here. Um, been a little bit better overall during the stretch during this uh, six seven game stretch here. Cincinnati's kind of gone back and forth. Um, 
and you really do see that based on team play is uh, it's baby Zach Taylor isn't the true future head coach of this team. I just, I, I'm not, I haven't been fully excited about him as their, as their play caller and as their head coach during this, this uh, two year run. So I'm still going to take Cincinnati because I want to bet exciting here. Um, I'm not going to get excited in terms of throwing a bunch of money at it. This isn't a game that I want to truly target. 44 as a game total feels a bit juicy here. Um, Denver typically goes under over this this six seven game stretch here. While Cincinnati is a team that tends to favor over. Um, I'll take I'll lean the over here with the with the, all the massive COVID news and the changes we've seen. As we saw at the beginning of last year, it was a truly offensive blow up when when teams were battling with, with trying to figure out how to deal with the COVID stuff. So. I'm taking the over here and I'm leading I'm leading the Bengals at plus three. Okay. Uh, the Denver Broncos side of this, we're looking at COVID first. On the Broncos side of it, there are no notable uh no notable COVID cases. The most notable one for the Bengals is Jadobia Wuzier. So that is a starting cornerback for them. So um, you know, could be down that. On the other side of this, looking at some of the actual injuries, Riley Reef for the Bengals is banged up. Vernon Hargraves banged up. Uh, Reef is out. Hargraves questionable. Um, yeah, so some injuries along the line. We saw Burrow struggle with sacks a little bit last week. Uh, but the Broncos, like you mentioned, in full rebuild, kind of gutted their, uh, their pass rush, rush a little bit. On the Broncos side of the football for injuries, you know, uh, Williams and Gordon are both questionable. I'd expect both of them to play. Um, Kareem Jackson with the back injury is questionable, starting safety for them. Um, and uh, that's really a Shelby Harris starting defensive end for them. So, long way to say. Burrow has struggled with sacks with the injuries along the Bengals' offensive line. Saw that last week. Yeah. It hasn't really mattered. Denver, good secondary. We know that. They have a good yep. secondary. The pass rush is a little neutered, but that should mean that Higgins and Chase have time to work their way open. We saw Chase kind of rebound a little bit after some midseason slowdown, if you will. Um, you know, a lot of people were uh, is concern the right word? About sure. Jamar Chase through the middle of the season. He's kind of rebounded 77 and two touchdowns last week, 52 the week before. He's bouncing back some. Um, meanwhile, T. Higgins is on an absolute hitter. You cannot set T. Higgins right now. Jamar Chase has been the second best wide receiver on that team the last six weeks or so behind T. Um, it basically flip flopped the start yeah. of the year. They've, yeah. Yep. It's the touchdown regression just switched. Yeah. And you're okay with, with both guys. He's, I need to look at this injury report. I think Mixon's off the injury report, but I need to check. I see Stanley Morgan, just because <laughs> I wanted to get his name in here. No Joe Mixon on the injury report. So Good. Uh, Mixon should play. Uh, again, pretty neutral game script there. As far as the Denver backs... If one doesn't play, right, 
both whoever is playing is going to eat. Oh yeah, they both play. We saw last week, right? We're right back to where we were. Yep. From a split perspective, saw Melvin Gordon go a couple touchdowns and be hyper efficient. Javante Williams, uh, look, it bumps them both down to running back twos, but you're still playing both of them. Yeah, I agree. So when one of them's gone next week, next year, it'll be better for both of them. Until they bring him ball, until they bring Melvin Gordon back, and we're at the same boat. Javante Williams truthers are crying, are crying very, very loud. He'll eventually overtake him fully. It just if they, especially if they bring him back next year, it'll just, you know, it'll be a bit. He's near the back end of his career, so Gordon. Yeah, is. we'll see though. All right, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, Green Bay at Baltimore. Green Bay seven point favorites. On the road here, look, Green Bay dominant against the spread. Baltimore is spiraling, especially if Lamar Jackson can't go. Even with Lamar Jackson going, he's been kind of going through the hero ball problem that Mahomes said early on this year and costing his his offense drives, potentially costing his offense some wins here. Um, either way, it's, it's very difficult to want to bet for Baltimore. So easily taking Green Bay at minus seven. Surprise is not a bit higher. The game total is where it's it, it, it becomes a little more concerning. If Jackson does play, I'll take the over at 43 and a half, but I do expect that to get bumped. So probably staying away from the game total and just taking Green Bay and giving the seven points. All right. No uh, defensive lineman Kenny Clark, the only COVID notable from this game on the Green Bay side of this. On the injury side of this, uh, Valdez Scantling and Q St. Brown both have been limited. St. Brown for a concussion. He is listed as doubtful, so don't expect him to go. Valdez Scantling um, appears to be good. Um, Yeah, Billy Turner not practicing starting lineman for them. Uh, Aaron Jones limited. Pay attention to that. He should play. And... Rodgers removed from the injury report. So Green Bay banged up. Green Bay still not so banged up where people aren't going to play. They're just trying to get people healthy. Uh, Marquise Brown to Hollywood has been limited uh, this week. And I'm not aware of, well, well, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, Game time decision. He is practicing in a limited fashion. So, oh, no, sorry. He's not practicing. (laughs) Conflicting reports. I thought that I saw earlier that he was practicing. Anyway. Lamar Jackson likely to be a game-time decision. This is an afternoon game. The good news is you had multiple games rescheduled to after the fact, so you have more saving grace here from the Lamar Jackson front if you want to ride it out and wait and maybe got blocked for uh, for Tyler Huntley. You know, you could have a, a guy like Taysom Hill out there, Derek Carr floating around on waivers, whoever the hell starts for the Browns. Good, good luck on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, probably not. Justin Fields could be out there. So, I mean, you're going to have options if Lamar Jackson doesn't go. In this game, I'd expect this to be a low score. I get a little bit black and blue, right? I'd expect this to be more of a, of a try-to-run-the-football type of scenario. Freeman's a flex play. Um, we saw Bateman start to produce a bit last week. Um, a lot of that's going to depend on if Hollywood can go or not with the illness. I think he probably can. Um you know, how 
are the Ravens going to deploy them? How is Green Bay going to cover them? Look, Huntley got half the game last week, and Bateman had a really good week. If you need a plug-in, even if you start three wide receivers even, I'm comfortable with Bateman this week. I agree. Are you? Okay, cool. I am. And Andrews has obviously been on a tear. And Huntley has a lot of rushing floor, by the way. So, so Jackson, Lamar Jackson light. Yeah, if Jackson doesn't go, you still, from a fantasy perspective, are okay with Tyler Huntley. On the Packers side of the football, um, you know, we saw Alan Lazard have a, a relatively big game. I don't want any Packers secondary options in this one, though. That includes Lazard and Valdez Scantling. The Ravens are beat up in the secondary. It more so has to do with how I expect the pace of this game to go. And how, you know, I expect this to stay kind of towards the lower scoring end of this. I don't expect either team to want to necessarily push pace in this one. I don't expect a ton of points out of this one. And that really makes me bullish a little bit on guys like, you know, Lazard, who, yes, we saw him have a much better week without Randall Cobb and Valdez Scantling. We know is getting downfield targets. If I had to lean one, it's probably Lazard in this type of game. But... Yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to because I don't like the way that this game, I think this game script's going to play out for to have a ton of wide receiver points available. Yeah, Lazard ran, t- had 10 more snaps. Obviously, he's going to play more of the of the two receiver sets. So if I if I have to play a uh, secondary option for Green Bay, if I want to, it's, it's going to be Lazard. And as you said, he's, you know, that production's been there. Randall Cobb's fallen off. You know, MVS will have a decent game or two. Lazard, 13 targets his past two games and touchdowns in four of his past six. So, not the, not the perfect game script, but at least there's some production there. All right. New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, 11.5 point favorites. 45.5 is the game total. Tampa Bay is on a four game cover streak. Saints are kind of just middling here, especially since the loss of Winston and the constant back and forth with Simeon and uh, and Hill here. So I'm still taking Tampa Bay at home. This is kind of, you know, this should be an easy win game. Maybe there's a backdoor cover. I just don't trust the Saints enough. I'll take Tampa Bay at home, 11 and a half. And then uh, game total, I'll... Uh, I'll probably stay away here. I'm just not too keen on the Saints offense as a whole. You know, getting Kamara back is great, but it still doesn't, you know, solve the fact that this is a very slow pace offense. And New Orleans will try to slow the game down, try to, you know, eat away the clock when they have the football early on. It's still Tampa Bay, still Tom Brady. So 11 and a half cover for the Bucks, and I'll Maybe I'll lean the under if I want to put the game total. No COVID in anyone, like no player from either team. Well, both these teams, thankfully, are 100% vaccinated and uh, probably take this more seriously than others. Yeah, nobody on the COVID list from either team. Uh, Ryan Ramschek for the Saints uh, and Teron Armstead. uh, They're both banged up. They're both listed as out, so they're down their two starting tackles again. Probably not good for Taysom Hill. Um, the other side of this, oh, look at that. Tom Brady's questionable. He's been questionable his entire career. 
Jordan Whitehead questionable starting safety. Jamel Dean, uh, one of their depth cornerbacks, is out with an injury. Injury. We know how banged up they've kind of been in the secondary. Leonard Fournette technically questionable with an ankle. I'd expect him to go. Some rest days all across. Richard Sherman, doubtful. Achilles injury. Antoine Winfield, questionable. So you've got injuries on the Tampa Bay secondary. That's been the case all year. Um, Saints don't have a receiver that I trust with anything. It's all Kamara yeah. and Taysom Hill, and that's that. Bucks are good against the run, too, but you're not – you're not sitting Camara. On the flip side of this, uh, you know, New Orleans defense has been relatively decent. That's why the Saints are six and seven. It's not because the offense has lit anybody up. The Bucks offense is a way of uh I don't know, lighting people up. Yeah. So that is what it is. Uh again, another game that I just kind of because of the Saints on the other side expect the the pace to kind of try to slow down a little bit. Makes me like Leonard Fournette a lot in this one. I fully expect that he plays. I don't think he's going to miss with that ankle injury. So it it makes me like Fournette in this one. Um, you know, Evans and Godwin. Yeah, I, you, you're okay with both of them. Chalk. Like, yeah, it's yeah. chalk. It's chalk yeah. is what it is. This whole game is just freaking chalk. I was actually pulling up uh, the last time these two teams played. Four for 48 and a touchdown for... Uh, for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, much better game. Eight of twelve for one forty and one. So they're still playing. Both. Take that for what you're. They're yeah. still playing both. Yeah, Gronk are playing. Yeah, chalk. All chalk. right, four games left, and two of these are these. rescheduled clusterfucks. Yeah, let's try to breeze through these as quickly as we can here. Yep. Raiders at the Browns. Browns are two and a half point favorites at home. Forty one and a half is the over under. Both teams suck against the spread. Cleveland hasn't covered a game since the beginning of November. And the Raiders, well, they're the Raiders. Both teams are allergic to scoring points. Both teams have recently have been somewhat allergic to preventing points. Thankfully, Cleveland's been a bit better, but uh, they've played against kind of bad offenses. So, yeah. Um, also, Cleveland battling their massive COVID outbreak, which is why this game has been pushed. So do with that information as you will. Maybe Baker's back in time. I don't think Keenum, maybe even Keenum might be. I don't know if he's vaccinated or not, so I don't know if he's going to be available. If not, it's Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins is the third string. So We've seen him have, have some him. success, though, too. And yeah. He said, in super yeah. flex leagues, especially a, deep ones, he should be rostered. It's not a totally unknown. Nick Mullins isn't. so True. He, he did have some success in San Francisco. And from a betting standpoint, I'm staying away from these games because these lines are going to massively change. You don't know where the directions are going to go. Um, if anything, if anything, just take the over because in games like this, it's a lot harder for the defense to be able to, you know, to piece together a good game than it is for the offense. The chemistry is massively important for the defense when you have this many changes on it. It definitely affects the product that's put out there. So if anything, just take the over. I'm staying away from the spread in every one of these games, minus maybe the the Vikings and Bears, because that one hasn't been moved. Yeah, this one's tough. So I'm going to run through the, the Browns COVID players, essentially. Um, just so you get an idea of why we're not going to be able to give you much of a preview here. Case Keenum, Kareem Hunt, Jacob Phillips, Mac Wilson, 
Tony Fields, AJ Green, Grant Delpit, Jadavian Clowney, Ronnie Harrison, Baker Mayfield, Troy Hill, John Johnson the third, Malik McDowell, Effetti Odendick, Odin Odin Agbo? Yeah, Odin Igbo. Odin Igbo. Uh, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, Tack McKinley, Wyatt Teller, Jedrick Wills, Jimmy Gillen. So what you have there, a couple of, you know, your top two quarterbacks, your running back two, um, Mac Wilson at least, plus Phillips. So some of your linebacker core, most of your starting secondary, your best pass, one of your uh, top two pass rushers, um, top wide receiver. Yeah, they're they're banged up in a lot of different areas. Not banged up. I mean, they're COVIDed up in a lot of different areas. So it's impossible, really, to give an accurate preview on this game at this point. In addition to that, the Raiders actually have no COVID cases, but you've got Trayvon Mullen, Mullen not practicing with toe injury. He's actually listed as out. Um, you've got... Let's see. Anybody else? Denzel Perriman is out. So you do have some known things that are going on with the the Raiders there that, you know, don't necessarily play well. Darren Waller out officially. So things to know. And in addition to what you just had on the Brown side with COVID, from an injury perspective, J.C. Treader's limited. There's three-fifths of your starting line. Kareem Hunt still dealing with an ankle injury. Ronnie Harrison is limited, estimated, because he's on the COVID list. Miles Garrett, not practicing. <laughs> Anthony Schwartz, concussion. He's listed as out. Uh, Troy Hill, not practicing. Joel Batonio, limited. There's the fourth starting offensive lineman. <laughs> Greg Newsom, concussion. He's out. There's your second. There's another one. You're starting cornerbacks. Uh, Malik Jackson not participating. There's a defensive ta- starting defensive tackle. Your third string tight end is limited. So between the Browns injury report and the Browns COVID list, they barely have a damn football team right now. It's the yeah. Raiders. Nick Chubb is a sure thing. David Njoku, if Austin Hooper doesn't go, should be fine is a plug-in play tight end. Hooper had a good week last week. Other than that, you don't know how that team's going to look. On the Raiders' side, right now, you know, you assume everybody on the Browns' defense isn't going to clear and get back. No Darren Waller. Give me all of the Hunter Renfro, please, and all of the Josh Jacobs, please. And even Derek Carr. And even Derek Carr's a viable stream because the secondary doesn't exist right now. And their pass rush is completely Completely decimated. And the linebacker, like, at least half of that list needs to clear COVID protocols for this to be any semblance of a game. Yeah. So you'll see enough updates on Twitter and through other people talking about it. So we don't need to go. No, we don't. We're not going to try to go into it more. Because we can't predict who's going to pass and who's not going to pass. Yeah. All right. Vikings at the Bears. True Monday Night Football game here. Vikings are five and a half point favorites on the road. Forty-four and a half is the game total here. Look, you and I are very familiar with these teams. We're very familiar with these games. Minnesota sucks in Soldier Field. It's plain and simple. Regardless if they're favored, regardless if they're not favored, they just struggle to win games here. Rookie quarterback starting though. The Bears are 
haven't covered a game in four weeks. Vikings have been playing better, but again, so the Vikings uh, take the over. Vikings give up a lot of points at crucial times. Chicago's offense, while up and down times, Justin Fields playing better. I'm taking Chicago at home. I may even bet money line. So Bears are cover five and a half and the over 44 and a half. Yeah. All right. For the Bears, they've got their own little COVID outbreak going on. Not nearly as bad as Cleveland, but Andy Dalton, uh, Duke Shelley, who's their uh, one of their top three cornerbacks, or one of their top four, sorry. Jesse James. Um, Allen Robinson, who's not been anything this year anyway. Eddie Jackson, starting safety. Um, Larry Borum, one of their starting offensive linemen. Eddie Goldman, their starting nose tackle. Artie Burns, another one of their top four cornerbacks. Mario Edwards, one of their um, rotational pass rushers. Um, yeah, so Bears, not in a great spot from a COVID perspective. Uh, the Vikings, it's Madison Westbrook. So, Little, uh, little less concerning there. Uh, Adam Thielen is not practicing on Saturday, so he is likely not going to play. Um, Kendricks is limited, so a little banged up there. Dalvin Cook is is fine. The Bears. This is the other place where you have some issues. Although, yeah, it looks like you might be okay. Uh, Jason Peters, another offensive lineman, not practicing. Marquise Goodwin, not practicing. Houston Carson, another, uh, you know. A rotational safety for them is not practicing. So, you know, some of that's going to be maintenance days. Bears are a, a banged-up team. Yeah. Um, but you said it. We know the Vikings' defense has been atrocious again this year. Makes Justin Fields a good stream. Makes Darnell Mooney a good play. Um, Darnell Mooney been has by far been the most impressive Bears wide receiver. And even Dave Montgomery you are fine with them this one on the Vikings side. It's Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Bears secondary not been particularly good. Thielen doesn't look like he's going to go. KJ Osborne is one of my favorite upside plugins this week. He's yep. got volume without Thielen there, and we've seen him produce on even minimal volume this year. He'll he'll get he'll get targeted. He'll get work. Um, they'll be able to play. This is a game that actually has the potential to score pretty highly. I think. Um and is almost a, a target game for your fantasy relevant pieces because of you know the Bears outbreaks that are going on. They're bad secondary. Vikings don't have a great secondary, not a great defense. This is a, a, a targeted game for me. I don't disagree there. All right. Tuesday game stretch. Uh the pick center on ESPN doesn't even have these games up yet because of a the unknown of what's going on and because it's a little far out. So <clears throat> I don't have any historical backup, but I want to look too much further. Washington at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is seven point favorites at this moment. Right now, 41 and a half is the game total. Washington is the reason why this game has been pushed to Tuesday because of their COVID outbreak and the massive implications around the quarterback situation there and the defense that has been. I think ran through by it. Again, I'm staying away from spreads in these COVID games and I'm taking the over. This is, this is, it's it. When, when teams lose a lot of their pieces, that just creates a lot of scoring, a, 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 a lot of scoring potential for these games. 
And uh, I'm taking my I'm taking those chances. On this whole also, great potential for them to be really fucking ugly too. Depending, yeah, and ugly games, you know, can go in either direction. So again, if you if you don't want to bet these games, it's not a bad call either. Yeah. Um, sorry, trying to figure out who would be in line to start for Washington right now. Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, Garrett Gilbert is the healthy quarterback at the moment. Um, here's your Washington football team COVID rundown. The only person on the Eagles is Quez Watkins. Your Washington rundown is Wendell Smallwood, who with J.D. McKissick dealing with a concussion actually is somebody you got to talk about. Daniel Wise, don't know who that is. Taylor Heineke, starting quarterback. Cam Curl, don't know who that is. Tyler Larson, believe he's a starting center. Troy Apke, Kyle Allen, second string quarterback. Matt Ioannidis, Cam Sims, who's a rotational wide receiver for them. Uh, Derek Forrest, Cornelius Lucas, who's a offensive tackle for them. Samus Reyes, show favorite. So favorite. Kendall Fuller, starting defensive back. Tim Settle, David Mayo. We'll say this about the football team. Most of their COVID outbreak appears to be amongst death pieces, not starting talent. Well, Montez Sweat, who might be who should be back. Jonathan Allen, I believe, is also. Jonathan Allen's been activated. Okay. That's right. And I saw that. I'm not showing up. sweat on the COVID tracker. He's he's been activated too. So yeah, Washington doesn't have a lot of this high end players. That, it's not Cleveland. Let's put it that way. Sure. You've got Terry McLaurin limited with a concussion. That is something that you have to monitor here. Adam Humphreys is the guy to me. If Terry McLaurin cannot go, if you're targeting Tuesday games. If you're trying to hold out for Terry McLaurin, which is not the worst thing, given this matchup, he is more likely to play with a Tuesday game than he would be with a Sunday game. You have the Seahawks and Rams there later on, but you have some unknowns there as well with the Rams COVID outbreak. Seahawks, we mentioned Swaim and Eskridge, but you have an unknown there with Tyler Lockett. You don't know how this is going to shake out. However, you can gamble here. Good. With McLaurin. You could wait to see if you see anything through Sunday and go see if you can grab a Darnell Mooney, a KJ Osborne, a Demir Bird who got some run without Marquise Goodwin in there in a high scoring game. Um, You know, maybe a DPJ's out there if Jarvis Landry can't go. Um, Hunter Renfro definitely isn't going to be there, but we've seen Brian Edwards throw some flashes out there. You have options if you want to try to wait on Terry McLaurin, but you don't have surefire options, and you are going to have to weigh that with a concussion. I think it's probably more than likely he plays, having not been ruled out yet, especially with the extra four days to recover, three days to recover. That's big in concussion world. We'll see. Um, Washington football team, hard to put any type of of analysis together on this. For the Eagles, Miles Sanders is limited, likely to play. Jordan Howard was limited, going to play for sure. Jalen Hurts, going to play. Full participant. Um, the Eagles are, they're fine. You're going to get Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard split. Jordan, um, Jalen Hurts is going to be perfectly okay. Um, you know, Goddard, 
run him out there. Not really a wide receiver option that I love for the Eagles, other than Devonta Smith, who's been solid quietly yep. all season. Yep. Um, for the football team, cannot give you analysis on that one. Can uh, McLaurin's concussion is the biggest reason. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson, I say I can't give analysis and give analysis. Antonio Gibson, you're fine with. A little bit disappointing last week. Um, it's not a bad game script for him. Should be pretty neutral. Yeah. Especially if McKissick doesn't play. He's also, you know, not really practicing because of a concussion. Last one. Last one. Seahawks at the Rams. Rams are five and a half point favorites at home. 45 and a half is the game total. Seattle's dealing with two decently important COVID uh, players right now. Hopefully they're both can be activated. The Rams are the biggest reason why this is there and, and arguably as important as the the Browns in terms of of key pieces on both sides of the ball and then key depth pieces as well. So again, if you want to bet this game, I, I'm still taking overs here. Um, I'm staying away from spreads because a lot of this is going to change if these players get activated in time. Yeah, and for the Rams, you mentioned some key players. There are some key players here. Tyler Higby, starting tight end. Um, Jameel Dimby, don't know who that is. Grant Haley, don't know who that is. Depth cornerback. Justin Lawler, Von Miller. Um, he hasn't had a huge impact since coming over, but that is still one of their rotational pass rush pieces. Tremaine Antrim, Antoine Brooks, another defensive back, right? Bobby Evans, starting guard. Uh, Jake Gravesi. A uh, couple of linebackers, Troy Reader being the g- biggest name there, um, who's their starting middle linebacker. Uh, Johnny Mont, Jared Pickney, and Bryson Hopkins all here. So Kendall Blanton right now is really the only healthy tight end. Uh, Jesus. Odell Beckham, who tweeted out that he had a negative test, so he should likely be good. Um, Jordan Fuller, who is uh, you know, one of their – I believe he's – one of their top three defensive backs. Jalen Ramsey's still not cleared. Starting tackle, Rob Havenstein. Starting running back, Darrell Henderson. So Rough. A lot of injuries there. Your big position groups that are banged up with that are the tight end position um, and your defensive back and then some key pieces on the offensive line for the Rams. Um, the name you didn't hear there is Cooper Cup. He has been protected at all costs. As, As he, he should. should be. So, um, you know, Sony Michelle's been getting a lot of run this week and may have uh, usurped Daryl Henderson anyway. So, you know, don't necessarily love that. Beckham should be healthy, it looks like, if he's already got a negative test. So, Beckham Cup, Stafford, Sony Michelle, all high level of confidence on those for me. Yep. Um, I can actually analyze the Rams because of the pieces they're missing. For the Seahawks, missing Troy Raiders big. We already talked about Rashad Penny um, being in a position to have a very, very good game given this defense. The biggest question mark for Seattle right now is Tyler Lockett. It's the exact same thing as Terry McLaurin. Those are fantasy pieces that you play if they're healthy that you're going to have to gamble on. But I don't have anything else to say. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, pretty I mean, much that's, it. Yeah. You're going to have to, it's Penny, Metcalf, um, especially if there's no Lockett. But, you know, Lockett and McLaurin, 
getting moved to Tuesday night, those are going to be your biggest gambles for different reasons. One with a concussion, one with COVID. Those are your biggest gambles that you have to decide. Do I have a clue? For example, I'm going to be deciding of do I gamble with Tyler Lockett or do I plug in Bateman ahead of time? Decision I'm going to have to make, right? So Yeah, yeah. Not good. Not good. All right. That's the show. Thank you for having breakfast with us, even though neither of us actually ate breakfast. Yes, not yet. Not yet. We will catch you all sometime next week. See ya.